What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It is the uh, 1st of September, gosh darn it, 2016. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And uh, Dave, you know, we're, we're, we're technologists, we're supposed to be logical and rational, we're not supposed to believe in such things, but you've heard, you know, the curse of like Mercury and retrograde, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, supposedly all communication gets screwed up, people get tongue-tied, you can't write to save your life, and you just forget your words all the time. Yep. That sort of happened to us just a few minutes ago. Friends, we're sorry for being late, but, you know, one of the things about uh, one of the things about working in a very difficult technical technical world is everyone's while you get technical difficulties, which we just experienced, but they seem to be cleared up, and uh, we're going to show, again, it's the 1st of September, I don't know what it's what it, what what it's like in America, but up here in Canada, that means summer's pretty much over, <laughs> which bites. Next week in Canada, kids go back to school in a number of American states. They've already gone back to school, and the uh, effectively, it just, the, the beginning of September always feels like a new year to me. Hey, eh? um, it does. It does. And you'd think, with the start of a new year, a lot more would have happened in the search world, but. It's the end of summer. We're kind of in the uh, the um, hibernation world of search right now. Not much happened last week. We've got a few interesting things to talk about. Um, Mercury retrograde. Oh, my goodness. Bad stuff happens. And if you were in Cape Canaveral at uh, about 9.45 Eastern or uh, about 6.45 uh, Pacific time, Pacific time this morning, you'd have heard a loud boom. 
Uh, did you did you hear about the uh, SpaceX uh, rocket mishap, Dave? You know what? I have heard about it. It, it crossed my news feed. Um, but, you know, and it's one of those, you, you know how I love space. You know how I love this sort of stuff. I saw it, but I've been on back-to-back phone calls all morning, so I haven't even had a chance to read. Well, I mean, obviously, I've seen the picture. I get the gist, but Jim, tell me about it, because I am dying for details. Well, this was, okay. First off, there was no injuries. No humans were hurt. Um, so it's not a tragedy, exactly. Um, but the uh, the thing that, that that that's an internet marketing related part of the story was the payload that this rocket was carrying. Now they were testing before uh, the scheduled launch next week, and something went awry in their test this morning, and the entire rocket blew up, taking with it the Amos Six satellite, upon which Facebook had booked time to beam internet signals to sub-Saharan Africa and to India. Do you remember that project Facebook was talking about last year that was such a big thing? It was going to be uh, bringing internet internet access to uh, parts of the world that are just on the verge of developing but don't aren't wired yet? Yep. This was the project. This is it. And it went up in flames earlier today. Sad, no, eh? No, I... So, I I'd started my day being disappointed that SpaceX blew up. Now this makes it worse. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> well, okay. Just for the record, it was it was not SpaceX that blew up. It was one of SpaceX's rockets. Well, Luckily, right. the company has money in the bank, so they can build another one. Similarly, <laughs> you know, it's not like Facebook itself blew up, or that even its intentions in Africa or uh, uh, India have blown up exactly. They've just been set back for who knows how long. Um, a new satellite will need to be made, launched, and replanned. This might set this might set this project back up to like a year, but it was only a year ago that Facebook was talking about launching this project. So I don't think it's over. I just think it's uh, um, <laughs> kind of uh, charred right now. Right, <laughs> up in smoke, um, so to speak. Up in so- smoke, so to speak, yeah. So that was a, that, that was a kind of a sad thing. But again, it, it had the internet connection or the uh, the internet marketing connection with the Facebook, the Amos 6 uh, satellite on top of that rocket. So going, going, gone. How about Pokemon gone? <laughs> you remember? What do you, do you think? Remember? What do you think? I, it I, seems I, like- it's, a, it's a great piece. I've only had a chance to skim it because you sent it through just a, just a couple minutes before because you knew you wanted to talk about this. Um, I, what do you think? Lifespan of fads? I think it's. I think it seems like just yesterday I saw people walking around trying to hunt Pokemon in my uh, in my neighborhood. I had to chase them off my lawn again because, as you know, my my house is a uh, pokey creature sanctuary. Um, and uh, it's, 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 it seems like just yesterday this game was introduced. But according to a story in today's Washington Post. Pokemon Go has faded faster than virtually any other internet game or fad in, 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 in history. And they I mean this is things like Farmville, Candy Crush, clanking, taking stupid selfies of yourself 300 miles off the ground off like some Russian billboard or, or skyscraper. Um, you know, stuff like that. Pokemon Go's lifespan was less than two months and it is down to um, about 
one quarter of the new registrations it had at its peak. So if you were thinking of making a whole bunch of money off Pokemon Go, you're probably not going <laughs> to. It's, it's probably too late for that. However, I don't know what it is yet. And, you know, maybe Dave, while I'm speaking, you could make it up and we could start one right now. A new fad is coming right around the corner. And gee, Dave, what do you think it'll be? <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I could not have predicted this one to go as, as big uh, as it did. Like, I had played Ingress, um, you know, the, the sort of precursor game to Pokemon Go. I understood why it was it was big. Like, it was, it was a lot of fun. Ingress was just a little more technical, um, you know, than Pokemon Go. I understood why it's, it's quick ascent. Um, I am surprised by the how quickly it's it's sort of crashing. Um, you know whether that's due to would this trend actually crash like normally crash that fast or is it like I'm sorry I'm looking out my window right now it's not as nice as it was in July. <laughs> like you know do I really want to be wandering around as as much while it's raining you know which it is you know we had being on the west coast um, so that would be interesting I couldn't possibly predict what could possibly be coming up you know what I wouldn't have predicted and I'm going to go blast from the past here. I wouldn't have pictured Tickle Me Elmo to be as massive as it was either, right? So these things that sort of catch off, and as marketers, we really need to be, you know, paying attention to take advantage of these things, and, and some people did and, and made, made a killing, right? Like, you look at those little coffee shops, and then, you know, just started immediately dropping lures because they either thought of it or, or took the advice of the marketing people, and suddenly they were, you know, doing well, and, and you know, you catch people who, who are a little late to it, and, you know, they might have profited, but not as not as much. So, less than the marketers, it could come and go inside of a month. So, <laughs> when you got a good idea, do it fast. Well, and, and I, you know, that's exactly what I wanted to get at. Um, we're entering an age on the internet where uh, how, to, how to say this: the ad model that has run the internet is um, well, if it's not dead, it's dying. Pretty pretty quickly if, again, if not dead and on its uh, on its last breaths, and mm-hmm. something is going to have to come along to replace that model. My gut is betting on the gamification of everyday tasks and on augmented reality, both of which will be used as advertising um, platforms. The question, the question for marketers is, uh, how do you get in on these fads before they become, while they're still interesting, before they become old hat? And, you know, any, any, any retailer who's going to jump on Pokemon now is going to look silly because they should have done it two months ago. Um, how do you cash in on these fads and, and, you know, see them coming and make money off of them, even if it's just for a short term? A- a- any ideas, Dave? You know what, I, I've I've got one, and had I been paying more attention, I would have caught this one uh, coming probably a month, two months before. Uh, what everybody needs to do is they, they need to turn to their teenagers, <laughs> and they need to ask the question, what are you anxiously waiting for? Um, you know, do that. I mean, you're not going to catch them all, but I would have caught on to this before. I didn't know it before they did, right? I mean, you know, being on Reddit and, and whatnot, um, you know, far more and, and paying far more attention to these sorts of things than, than I do, than you do. Um, you know, if you if you start to pay attention to what 
um, that demographic is doing. If you start to, you know, maybe visit some of the, the Reddit uh, or, or subreddits of some of the major game companies and, and major manufacturers and watch what they're about to do, and, you know, I'm sure Brent's a tourist, but, you know, have a, have, a, have a good chat about that. Maybe we should have him on the show to talk about it as like a thought finding the next trend and, and using Reddit for that. But that's where these discussions will be happening, and it won't be by us. Um, we need to isolate what they are and, and take advantage of them. Uh, you know, there will be marketers creating them, but most marketers are going to have to take advantage of them, and, and those are some places where you can get them because those are the, the people and, and the locations where these discussions are, are taking place in long before um, you know, people in our, our age group and our demographic are, are aware of them. Okay, but I, I think there are ways that marketers can prep for the next thing that's coming, regardless of what the next thing is. For instance, learn HTML5. Um, learn how to create augmented reality or pages that will complement augment reali- augmented reality. Um, there are, you know, technical things and techniques or tactics that um, marketers can study from the Pokemon Go phenomena. So, I mean, I, I never got into Pokemon Go myself. I never really understood Pokemon even 20 years ago. I didn't quite, I was too old to quite get it. But what I do understand is something that is proof of concept. Pokemon Go may have been a flash in the pan for sure, right? Eh? But. Oh, yeah. But to have so many people get into it so fast and to play with, with what really was the uh, first mass market augmented reality game out there, I think, I think there's a lot of lessons for marketers to learn just from that experience. But here's what I don't know. Who's doing the analytics on it? <laughs> How do you study that? <laughs> well, I mean, you bring, bring up a, an interesting point, and this was and, and interesting for all of us as marketers, and, and anybody listening is, is certainly interested in, in the subject matter. Um, what we kind of got to watch here was the first marketing done around augmented reality. Like, we, we actually had an, an entirely new, for all intents and purposes, like I understand augmented reality has been around for years, but the, the first mass adoption um, of augmented reality and marketing's reaction to it. So we had this unique, not just to talk about augmented reality here, but we actually had the unique opportunity to watch a brand new thing happen and watch how marketers react to it. Like, all of a sudden, there was a, a thing. We'd never quite experienced something like it before, never had that specific venue um, and specific experience to market at with a specific demographic doing a specific thing at a specific time, right? We, we'd never encountered that before. Um, and we had the opportunity as marketers to actually watch what you do when a brand-new thing like that happens. It happens periodically, of course, where, where you know certain new ecosystems are developed. Um, but this was interesting from that context as well as to see who's doing what, um, you know, and, and that bridge between um, the web and marketers going offline and, you know, it, online still because they're planting rules or whatnot or, or they're creating, um, you know, unique experiences for, for people who are doing, you know, I know the, the sushi place, um, you know, that I, that I love to go to had basically if you catch a Pokemon in, in their restaurant, um, you, you get a free bowl of soup. Right, <laughs> all you have to do is just catch a Pokemon in their restaurant, post it to their Facebook page, and go. Like watching that happen, I think that was was a unique experience for all of us, and, and hopefully a lot of people learned not just about the rapid nature, but to really start thinking outside the box and how you bridge between the offline and online worlds. Um, it, it, it was a unique experience, and, and I'm looking forward to the next one. That's for sure. 
Absolutely. So they are folks that templates are out there. You know, go, like Dave said, go to your local sushi restaurant, go to your local donut shop, go to your local coffee shop or your local movie theater, anybody you knew that was participating in the Pokemon Go um, uh, uh, fad. Talk to the managers, talk to some of the staff, find out what their experience was. Um, a lot of a lot of prep work for marketing is actually legwork, getting out there and, and understanding what other people's experiences were. Okay, yeah. on that, we're going to have to take a break here on WebCology here on Cranberry.fm. So on behalf of Dave Davies from the Stark Internet Marketing, this is Jim Edgar from Digital Obvious Media. You're listening to WebCology on Cranberry on the 1st of September, 2016. We're going to be back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. It's time to take your ad testing out of the Mesozoic era and into the Ezoic era. Ezoic is the world's first machine learning platform, creating tailored ad combinations to monetize your website. Our automated ad testing not only boosts ad income, but increases page views, improves bounce rate, and will impress the user experience. Start your 30-day free trial today at ezoic.com and join thousands of publishers who are already earning 60% more with Ezoic. That's ezoic.com. Ezoic, make your website smarter. Ezoic is a Google certified publishing partner. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. TopSEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search ranking. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Content for your ears and everything in between. Cranberry.fm. Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It is the 1st of September, 2016. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And Dave, you know what our, you know what our uh, uh, intro music needs? More, more cowbell. 
You hear that, that music we had coming back in from the break? That would have benefited from Cowbell. Big time. Where's Christopher Walken when you need him? I know. I know. And you know what? Sadly, uh, many in our audience probably don't know the reference. So for, for those of you who don't, uh, just look up, I don't know, SNL Cowbell on YouTube. I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> oh, my God. Really? Are you kidding? Are, really? Wow. If I... If, those 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 little scallywags don't get the reference. Wow, bloody little knickerbockers! You know I can't believe it. I, I, I'm gonna dive. You know what? Uh, right now, you're probably feeling a little old. I'm feeling a little old. I think anybody from our uh, from our demographic, when we hit Google's homepage today, probably felt a little bit old. You know, uh, you know the the doodle, um, which they're doing. Well, today's celebrates. Um, I'm sure you huh, love the huh, story. Never-ending oh, story. Like, 37 years ago, the book was written for the never-ending story. Now, that was like a childhood favorite of mine. I'm sure yours as well. Loved the movies. Um, well, at least the first one. Maybe they got one a little off went back to that. They were still all right. But anyway, yeah, 37 years ago. <laughs> Sadly, I was 11 years old, so no. <laughs> no, that wasn't a childhood thing of mine at all because my childhood had kind of ended. Damn! Wow! You know that that's funny because like there's just that like few years between the two of us, and I guess that one would uh, <laughs> just that few years that separated it right there. Between it being a childhood memory of mine and just an early adolescence movie reference um, years. But yeah, interesting for it to be that old. And I mean, talk about you know a, a, a sort of hat tip to to its you know sort of cultural importance. Um, yeah, they made a Google Doodle. Well, it was important. Uh, everyone, everyone remembers the never-ending story. At least the movie, right? Yeah, I assume most people got it, but who knows? If not, folks, I'm sure you can find it on Netflix or somewhere like that. It's 37 years old. I think it's out of trademark. You can probably download the thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's worth watching. It's good news. Um, there we go. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, Bruce, could you come in here for a second, please? That, that was going to be a great track. Guys, what's the deal? Uh, are, are you sure that was sounding okay? I'll be honest, fellas, it was sounding great, but... I could have used a little more cowbell. <laughs> there you go. That was the reference. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. Thank you, know, Brasco. <laughs> next, next story I got is Google Live Time. And there's, I just can't help but find that funny. Um, you know, the holy grail for Google has been producing live time search results, eh? Yeah. Like, or that's one of the holy grails. Personalization was the holy grail. They seem to have gotten pretty close on personalization. Their newest one is how do you uh, take something that was just put up on the web, figure out its importance to uh, web users, to culture, to information, you know, to all the all the missions the search engine has to fulfill, and figure out where to place it on your search results page. Again, minutes after moments after it was posted Google may well have solved that issue at least in uh, 
in uh, news-related search and uh, pages that conform to the accelerated mobile page standard, AMP, the AMP standard. Um, have you heard about the, the search, live cover, uh, search Live Carousel? Dave? I have. And I, I have. I feel free to take us, take us through what it, uh, what it is. And then, yeah, I mean, then let's have a discussion about this because I think it's awesome. Okay. So you're minding your own business, publishing pages to the web, which is what you're supposed to be doing all day long. And, uh, you know, one of the things about SEO is we, in the olden days, we'd publish a page to the web and we'd have to wait like anywhere from two weeks to a month to see it appear in Google. Flash ahead to, uh, say, 2015, 2014, 2015, and a page you publish might appear like in a day. And that was wonderful. Oh, my goodness. Um, now, you might get a ranking a couple hours after posting a page, which is like superb. But what if, just what if, you posted a page and like, you know, five minutes later you go to the front, you go to uh, do a keyword search and your page, the page you posted is already part of Google rankings. That is now possible in areas around live sports, elections, and breaking news. Um, it requires AMP, Accelerated Mobile Pages, to work. Uh, according to... Richard Gingras, the uh, Googleite who came up with this real-time indexing API, uh, your content must be published using accelerated mobile pages. That way they're able to load neatly and quickly into uh, users' devices. AMP pages must include structured data markup for the content itself. Enable preview for live coverage article on the search page and also helps Google better understand the context around a piece of content. And the content must be published to Google using an Atom XML feed. Um, you should use an HTTP post request in an Atom XML feed that contains your AMP page content as soon as it's published on the web. That way, Google can very quickly, and we're talking in a matter of minutes, Access that context, content, index it, and get it up on, on uh, its search result pages. Oh, my goodness. Like, minutes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I mean, everybody, as a user, I love this. As an SEO, I'm, I'm sort of bothered by this. And, you know, for those working with publishers, for example, this is outstanding. Obviously, this is outstanding news for them. Um, one of the things I really like about it is what I think it means for the future. Um, and, and what I mean by that is right now there are some technical requirements that don't scale globally, right? That, that don't apply to all websites, of course. Um, the AMP that does, um, well, let's assume that, I mean, it doesn't apply to everybody, but it, it applies to all this, type of, all this type of content. But working in with the real-time indexing API, um, you know, needing specific formats, um, well, I get it. Believe me, I, I get it. Um, what I'm hoping that this is is going to be telling us is into the future that they're going to be trying to build in sort of an understanding of where this type of content resides and just being able to automate that. That's really what I'm hoping we're about to see happen, that right now, like they did maybe, or like I suspect they did with um, authorship, right? We're using it. We get a gist now of what you're doing and how <laughs> things work, so now we don't need it anymore because we kind of got the lay of the land and we understand who's who and, and sort of how how we should be judging pages like that. 
Um, what I'm hoping they're going to be gathering from this is a better understanding of how publishers publish content um, and how they, they can sort of automate the process of random or uh, rapidly picking it up and then being able to sort of do away with some of these technical requirements, having feeds in specific ways, connecting via APIs, and actually just apply it sort of more globally um, to the web as a whole and, and being able to sort of understand where they need to go to find the most important content. That's what I'm hoping we're going to see. But even at the end of the day, as a user right now, I am, you know, they picked some great subjects. Yeah, breaking news, you know, politics, sporting events. This is stuff I need right now. I'm just, okay, sporting well, events. I don't need it right now. I'm not going to die without it. But when I'm looking up, you know, how are the Blue Jays doing, what I want to know is, you know, it's the eighth inning. I want to know how they're doing right now. <laughs> not how they, you know, what, what they were doing yesterday. So I, I think this is a, a great enhancement for me as a user, which obviously means it's great for them. Um, I, I'm hoping that down the road they're going to be able to, to pick up some information and deploy that a little more broadly to, to everybody so we can all benefit from having pages picked up um, quicker and then I'll get access to information more rapidly from sites that may not have these technical requirements um, set up and, and put in place or that might not even fit the criteria of who they'd accept but still have some great content that I would love to, to have access to immediately because they may not be a new site but they're talking something you know important about the election or, or whatnot. So um, we'll see how that goes. I mean, think about this for, for a sec, Dave. Do you know what keeps like network TV alive? What's the only yeah. reason one would subscribe <laughs> to network TV? Sports, live sports, yeah. everything else you can put up on the web. We're receiving our news from the web. We're doing much of our shopping on the web. Netflix, Hulu, um, the uh, various cable networks who have uh, specialty, you can subscribe for specialty feeds from those cable networks. But the one mm -hmm. thing that the web and nobody can replicate right now is the provision of live sports. And I think that's what Google's trying to do right now. In the long run, I think this is where this is going. It's the yeah, one way no, you can fully disrupt TV is to take live sports away from it. Yeah. So, well, you know what? I got a Chromecast, so now it just goes directly from my phone to my TV, right? And it's live. It's right there. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Well, indeed. So, yeah, your 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 TV is like a big monitor in that in that instance, right? It's not a TV; it's a monitor. Because yeah. Chromecast is just really converting an internet signal into something that your massive Samsung can read. Or can, can understand and parse. Um, so again, incidentally, I would much rather watch uh, the the Stanley Cup or the Super Bowl on your massive Samsung than I would on uh, my tiny BlackBerry device, right? <laughs> like, right. Um, uh, but again, I'm I'm pretty sure that what Google's really aiming at here, and watch for this in like eighteen months' time, is to take over the last bastion that that network television owns. Bet you that's what this is all about. So marketers, yo, remember what we were talking about, like, you know, just a couple segments ago about being on top of the new trends? This is what we mean. Um, about a year so ahead. Um, speaking of trends and something that's coming up, um, your, uh, your good friend and mine, Mr. Uh, Bill Hartzer, is probably uh, salivating right now. I just got a notification. You can now, there's two new domain extensions. That's why I mentioned Bill, because you know it. I know it. He loves the thing. 
Um, we got two new ones coming out, Dot Shop and Dot Games. Um, so they're going to be, uh, if you're a trademark holder, you can already reserve your spot. And then uh, starting on the on the 14th, I believe, you can start to sort of pay exorbitant rates <laughs> to grab them. But they go generally available um, on the 21st of this month, um, where you can start to just buy them at their $15, uh, you know, or whatever, depending on what your registrar charges, uh, 15 buck a year um, sort of rate. But uh, if you're a trademark holder, you can go grab uh, games or dot shop for a couple hundred bucks and have it. So, yeah. For, for those out there who uh, who care about such things, um, I would get tired at this point if I was trying to keep up because they're just pumping out TLDs like they're they're going out of style here, and I think they will go out of style because they're pumping them out <laughs> too many. But Dot Games, great extension. Dot Shop, great extension. So these are uh, these are two I can definitely get behind if uh, they fit your industries. Abs- you know, I, I agree with you here. Uh, I totally agree with you. I, I, I in some ways I love the new domain extensions in. Uh, when they make sense, um, hockey.games, ea.games, that makes sense. But you had domain extensions like .sucks or .xyz that, you know, didn't make, as, didn't make so much sense. It's going to be hard for consumers in the future knowing what extension to use unless somehow brands standardize behind specific um, – specific uh, TDLs or TLDs, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, what I really see happening is dot Nike. Like, why shouldn't Nike just buy its own top level? Why shouldn't Reebok buy its own top level? And then where are we? You know, like tennis shoes dot Reebok. Um, will, will I have to be guessing to know where I'm going? Because right now I can, I can go to Reebok.com and get what I want, right? Right. So how will I, the consumer, know if all these all these top level domains are out there? Um, you'll have to buy all your top level domain and the .com and the .ca and the .org and the .net just to make sure that idiots like so you can three hundred one them over to your real domain so idiots like me don't screw it up. So at that point, what's the point? Just get a .com, <laughs> you know. You can look at. I I really I I understand wanting to have a cool top level domain. But, you know, look five years in the future, and where does that go? How does the consumer know exactly where to target their query? Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. Um, like one that I'm seeing quite popular among, among sort of high tech is the .io. I totally get it. But you're right. It's like, okay, now you have that one. That's your main one. But you still need to buy your comm. You still need to buy, like, you still need to buy all these other ones anyway. So, yeah, it's interesting. Looks good. But, um, and, and techs and, and nerds will get why you're using it. Um, but the, the executive who's actually deciding whether your massive service that the, you know, sort of tech in your, you know, in his company is, has decided on, you know, he's still going to use or, or she, the .com. So <laughs> I mean, you're still to, having to get all these, all these different ones. And, and really that extension is, is only appealing to a, a small group of people. However, they're you know, for, for a large part, the people who are making the decision on who to recommend. So I, I get it, but it's just costing us extra money and you know, a variety of different extensions we need to now buy. You know, there, there's only one zero type of people in the world out there, eh? Those who understand what .io means and those who don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's more of a visual joke, but, it, you know, it worked. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, another fun thing, you know, I don't... Or, um, that uh, that happened. There was, you know, Street View. We all know 
treating you. Over on TheVerge.com, there's a, there's a fun story. It was just published yesterday. Uh, and uh, this woman had made a plea to Google. Um, she had been putting 360-degree cameras to capture images of the Faroe Islands. It's this, this tiny little isolated I know I'm mispronouncing that. Um, anyway, she had, had sent them basically some things going, my sheep are great for capturing the tracks and trails of the islands. You know, can you can you help us cover some of this stuff, right? Like they don't have these great cameras. Anyway, Google did it, and I'm wondering if this is going to be something that they do, is they've sent them a few of the 40-pound backpacks um, so that, I don't know if they're going to load them on sheep or the idea is that they can loan these two people now on this remote <laughs> island so that they can start doing the, the trekking on these more remote locations for them. Um, you know, obviously, I think that's great. And great for them. Good call for them because I've never heard of this island, and now I'm going to look it up after <laughs> treating you. Um, so, you know, great marketing for them and, and great for Google because, you know, now they don't have to pay somebody. These people are volunteers. <laughs> and they'll just send it to the island and these people will do it for them. So win-win on uh, on both counts and a win for me as a user. Now I'll get to see places I never would have seen. This map of northern British Columbia brought to you by Google Grizzly. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't want to be the one to, to – I don't want to be the one to strap these things on the animals because, you know, like – uh, Siberian tigers don't like carrying backpacks. It's a it's a known fact. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, you know what? We got to take a break. We've uh, we started the show a little bit late. It's uh, officially ten minutes to the hour now at time of recording, but that doesn't really count because this is a podcast you're probably listening to. But. It is time for us to take a break here on Webcology on Cranberry.fm. So on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on Cranberry.fm. Websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at wmetraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com. Pick out some new favorite podcasts now at cranberry.fm.
of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. Uh, this is going to be kind of a shorter last segment. Um, I want to rip through this as quickly as we can. There's a story that I think it's, it's, it's definitely worth talking about. It certainly affects the way the tech world is going to evolve in the future. Um, Dave, you've heard about uh, the EU getting down on uh, Apple and Ireland and their sweetheart tax deal that Ireland gave to Apple? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> you can call it the Irish Advantage. You can call it the Dutch Shuffle. Increasingly, tax collectors around the world, especially in the, in the European Union, are calling it fraud. Here's how it works. You're a mega corporation, actually the largest on earth, called Apple. A country comes to you and says, we will give you a serious tax break if you build jobs in, in, in our country. And you say, well, okay then. And you move your uh, official operation to it, like, say, Dublin. In Ireland, Apple pays, and this comes, this comes straight out of the Financial Times, Apple pays 0.005% in, ta- in business taxes. 0.005%. So that's like half of a half of a half a percentage of tax. That's, that, that's, that's, that's what Apple pays to, 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 to Ireland. The European Union regulators look at this and say, hey, that's an unfair subsidy in our free trade regime. Ireland is giving Apple an advantage that, say, Italy, Portugal, Germany, or other countries couldn't give them. Inside the EU regime, that's an unfair subsidy to a company to attract the company to, to, to Ireland. And so, just to you know, make everything right and fair, the EU figures that Apple has to pay Ireland 13 billion euros, which is about 14.5 billion American dollars. Apple and Ireland are both saying, yo, that's kind of stupid. Ireland wants to protect its low tax policy to attract investment and attract business. Apple doesn't want to pay taxes. And, uh, you know, it's a big schmozzle now. What, do you, what a weird story, eh? This is a weird story. This is the first time, and I mean, you know, Apple, Google, they've all had their, had their share of problems over in the EU with, with taxes. But this is probably the first time I have ever heard a story where the company is being told they need to pay billions of dollars to a, another entity and that entity is going, I don't want that money. Like just, you know, <laughs> and, and it pointed out in the article and it's true um, is, I mean, this is a country that has a healthcare system very much like, like ours up here in, in Canada. So they have a subsidized healthcare system and this would pay for that for a year. <laughs> like, that's that's great, um, but yeah, yes, I completely understand why they don't want it. I do get why the EU is stepping in. Like you can sort of see that because they do have a huge trade agreement, and it is built on certain rules that keep things level. Fair right, enough, if it's yeah. a level playing field, that's what it's there to do. And yeah, if you have one country doing things that undermine the competitive 
nature of the others, then the whole thing sort of collapses. So I understand why the EU is stepping in, but it is funny to see the EU step in and go, you owe you money, and both of them going, I don't want to pay, and the other one's going, yeah, I don't want their money. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's interesting. I, th- I think I think listeners have to understand there's a huge amount of pressure on the EU from the American IRS who also wants its money. But because right. Apple is actually headquartered in Dublin, not not Southern California like you might think, but in Dublin, and because it does its banking in the Netherlands, this is why it's called the uh, the, the the Dutch Shuffle. It doesn't got. It's not. It, it doesn't got to pay taxes to Uncle Sam in the way that you'd expect the world's largest corporation, which is you know clearly really based in California, you'd expect. So, the IRS is putting a lot of pressure on the EU to basically force Apple to come back home again. Um, good. It's a case of national sovereignty for Ireland, though. I mean, should they not be able to set their own tax rates? They are a sovereign country within a much larger union. Weird, sticky situation. It is a sticky situation. And, you know, yeah, you have that instinctive, like, it's their right to do what they want. At the same time, we all understand that to function as a global community, we have agreements and trade agreements with other countries, and we need to abide by the rules of those agreements. So, yeah, it does get to be a really, really sticky scenario, and this is definitely going to be an interesting story to watch with fairly significant ramifications for, for international trade, that's for sure, and, and where we're placing companies. At the end of the day, actually, you know, and, and you brought up the point, um, you know, the United States could, could benefit if it is upheld because all of a sudden this big tax incentive to not be where they, and you pointed it out, where they actually are, <laughs> would be running out of, a, out of a completely different country. Um, that incentive would be removed. You know, Uncle Sam would, would probably get more, more tax revenue um, if but, the EU does hold it. So we'll see how that goes. At the same time, think about this, though, Dave. Like, like... Apple computers are not made in Southern California. They tend to be made, um, well, around the world, but assembled. The components are made in China and assembled in in China and Mm -hmm. some assemblage in uh, Mexico and in in, uh, North America. Their Their business end is based partially in California, but officially based in Ireland. And it has workers around the globe. Where is the company actually based. So in, in, a, in a global world where the internet has, has virtually erased borders from the point of view of doing business, I do business with England as easily as I do business with uh, Illinois, as easily as I do business with British Columbia. You know what I mean? Like I, I push ones and zeros. You and me, we push ones and zeros. There are no borders for that, really. How does a national tax regime deal with a, you know, world that, that where you have different parts of a company established in different parts of the world. It's hard to say where the company really is, you know? Very true. Um, there's some really interesting governance questions that get asked here, but, but the real one that I think is really interesting is Google is following the exact same playbook that Apple's following. They're next in line for this, and they've had, you know, <laughs> the, the difference, of course, is Google knows how to deal with this, having dealt with the EU several times before. <laughs> I'm not mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> Tim Cook over at Apple is still in the uh, kicking and screaming phase of grief. 
<laughs> He's <laughs> throwing chairs across the room and beating up on his wall, um, which isn't really helping, but it's what you do, right? <laughs> right. Whereas, yeah, Google's at the more grown-up stage of, all right, just get our lawyers and mediators. <laughs> like, Larry's, like, man, it's this again. Larry's like, Jesus Christ, who do I kind of check to? Just shut up, okay? Here's some, here's some walking around money, Europe. Shut up. <laughs> okay, we're going to get played out any second now. So, um, this was a fun show on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing in Victoria, British Columbia. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media in Toronto, Ontario. You've been listening to Webcology on Cranberry.fm, which, of course, is based everywhere. Stick around the network. Amazing content coming up after the news. And Dave and I will talk to you next week on Webcology. Have a good week. opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of cranberry news marketing and cranberry.fm rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited